So we're back here with another edition of the Leo G Show. I am, of course, Leo G. And man, we got a, another good episode tonight. I am excited about this episode because I'm getting out of my comfort zone once again to talk about something that I, I get uncomfortable talking about. So we're going to get uncomfortable talking about some politics. And right as of right now, we're still in the middle of uh, the election. The election just happened on Tuesday, November the 3rd. Uh, I was trying to see if my man, Adjective J, was going to be able to join me for this show so we could talk about it. Yep. Um, and I don't. Of course, Hello? I'm always here to talk about politics. What's up, Jay? What's going on, man? I, I, you just pop up like whenever you feel like it, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, or is it? Or is it just me? Is it? Is it just me? Uh, honestly, I feel like uh, we could do a better job on scheduling, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> um, you caught me. You caught me. Um, I just. Uh, and if if you're paying attention to this, uh, if you go to my timeline, you should see me uh, yelling about how much I fucking hate centrists, and that's what I just did. So I'm I'm just read something that pissed me completely off. So yeah, I'm in the right energy for this. Let's go. Oh my god. Okay, we're gonna try to keep you. We, we we're gonna keep you down to. We don't want mm. you to go nuclear because we got mm. another guest here on <laughs> on the on the episode tonight. I want you to go nuclear, Jake. Can you please keep it to five? Nope. Okay. Can I... you keep it to a five? Uh, if five is the highest five. number, yes, that is how no, I five can, ain't the highest number. But five not, is I'm, the I'm, highest I'm, number I'm, on the scale, then yes, I can definitely do that. I'm, I, I know I'm, how the Likert scale I'm, works. I'm not gonna try to push the envelope. So, look, we had the uh, uncomfortable uh, politics episode a couple episodes back, and we had a guest, we had uh, Aisha, and she's back again with us tonight. Uh, Miss Aisha from my Midtown Life, she lives here in Atlanta, she's fam as well, and she's back. How you doing, Aisha? I am doing, well, you know what? I'm fine. But of course, I'm like so many people around the nation. I am on the edge of my seat and I've been there since Tuesday. So if that explains it, you know, other than that, I'm fine. I'm healthy. No COVID. Who can complain? But I mean, nail biting doesn't even begin to describe it. It's a lot. It's a lot going on and we knew it would be, we knew it would be this way. So like I said, we're right now we're in the middle of the election we're still counting usually in the past this would have already been called well i, I think I, well i can say i guess in the last couple of elections we've had some very very tight and close races in different states but this one is very very interesting and, and it's it really personal. really hits, it is personal and it hits close to home and we're going to talk about that here in just a minute mm-hmm. um as you all know presidential election here in the states joe biden versus he who I will not name. He's going to be like Harry Potter, the guy from Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm not even going to mention this cat's name. And right now it is a tight one. And the reason it's so it's so close is I'm I'm here in Georgia. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. So does Aisha. And of course, Jay has close ties to the South. And we're seeing something here in Georgia that was unexpected. And right now, as I talk uh, on, uh, we're a couple of days out. We're about 48 hours outside of the actual election day on November 3rd. Georgia, Joe Biden was, I think, Aisha, correct me if I'm wrong here, you know, on election night, I think he was down 300, almost 300, or somewhere between 150 to 300,000 votes. That's where we Absolutely were on, a, on election night. Correct. So now here we are still counting ballots. Mm-hmm. And as I speak right now, Joe Biden is 1,700 ballots away from actually tying and taking the lead in the state of Georgia, which is a traditional red Republican state. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of things 
that uh, brought us to this. So I wanted to I, I, I had I had some topics that I wanted to talk about because this right here is just so prevalent and it's going to actually play another major role in the landscape of politics. So I wanted to talk about this for a minute. Exactly. And we'll get to that in just a minute. So Aisha, I want to talk to you just for just a second and we're going to get Jay's opinion on it. Did you see this coming here in the state of Georgia? Well, you know, it's interesting in your introduction, you said, I can't believe this is happening. I did see this happening. I live in Midtown. That's part of the reason why I named my show that and I sit in a very left-leaning part of the Southeast, not even Atlanta, not even Georgia. So neighbors, as far as I can see, left, right, up, down, we, this is a very blue area. And I saw this coming. There are more of us than there are of them, and we go to the polls. So I'm actually not worried about Georgia. I am still on my seat. But there's a new day. There are a lot of people who are not okay with what has happened. We know that Bill Clinton won Georgia way back when. Um, 1992. Right. We could question some of what made him win. But I think the landscape in the metropolitan areas of Georgia, even down in Chatham County and Savannah, it has changed. You know, we have so many people who have come here and they have brought from what I can see, some very good politics. So I actually saw this. I saw this coming. I thought it was going to be purple, but I am so excited to see that this thing is really like literally any moment now it could be called for Joe Biden. That's a big moment. It's a big moment. It's a battle in the war that we're trying to see change here in this country and the politics change in this country. I've I've been on record saying that I wasn't really on board with the Democratic nominee, but at the same time, I understand and realize that there are battles that need to be won before you can actually win the war. And I think that we're ticking in the right direction. And like, just to echo what you were saying, Aisha, the landscape in Georgia has changed. We have had many people move from other states that are liberal-minded people, educated people to, let's just, I'm sorry, they moved to the metro Atlanta area because I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna say this, Atlanta, is not Georgia, and Georgia is not Atlanta. <laughs> it's a difference. And when people come here and they visit and they come to Atlanta, I just let people know, like, look, man, Atlanta is a island in the sea of Georgia, so don't, don't get it twisted. You get 30, 40 miles outside of Atlanta, it's a totally different landscape. Jay, I'm going to go to you, man, on the outside looking in, and of course I know that you, know, you have ties here to Georgia, of course, and you understand how it works here in the South. How do you feel about looking right now at the state of Georgia as it's all lies on America watching the state of Georgia right now? Well, I feel like uh, Georgia, like you were saying, it's not really a flyover state anymore. Just the influx of people that have come there. Uh, there's been industries that have moved there. And we kind of saw this kind of uh, indicated previously when you looked at, you know, just the governor's race and how tight that was to the point where, you know, theoretically you could say that that was stolen. So, I mean, I'm not surprised by that because I live in a state right now that uh, is primarily red with the exception of like two metro areas. And those two metro areas are so heavily blue that it pulls the whole state blue. Um, and so I, I live in a place that does that. And I think a lot of those places exist. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's something. And just uh, to be clear, another state here in the South, the South has always been a stronghold for Republicans. And I, I don't want to go into like the history of how all this happened because you can go all the oh, way I back. Can, I can do it in like five minutes. Uh, not even five. I can do it in a quick, a quick 20 I seconds. give you two. I give you two. I, I can do it. In, I can do it on two, in two, under two minutes. Um, 
so it was the Southern strategy. That's all you have to go and look up. At one point, uh, Democrats were not re- were ruling the South, and then they were uh, for basically civil rights. And Republicans were like, "Yo, Southern people aren't down for this shit. We don't want to see equality." And so Republicans were able to flip the South by the Southern strategy by appealing basically to uh, white people and their racism. The South flipped red, and the South has been red and Republican uh, pretty much ever since the Southern strategy, which I want to say was in the 30s, but I might be off on my timeline. Yeah, I, w- I want to say at one point here in the South, the the there was a, a moniker. It was like, they, they call them the Dixiecrats. There were uh, Democrats here in the South, and maybe that's another episode that we can go into, or you can catch Jay on Frown Town. That's a plug. Um, and he might talk about it over on uh, 50s, Frown Town. Bad, but yeah. The 50s, about how this all uh, materialized with uh, the flip of Republicans and Democrats here in the South. But uh, just to note, another state, North Carolina, which the demographics in North Carolina are similar to Georgia. You have a lot of people that are moving to that state from other places, liberal minded people from up north uh, into places like Charlotte and Greensboro. And North Carolina is now very, very tight. And, you know, I think as of right now, if I just looked at it, it's still tight there in North Carolina. And once we see states like North Carolina and Georgia turn, Aisha, I don't think we'll see them go back. Uh, Do you agree with that? Once we see these states turn, they're not going back. Uh, Well, I I don't know, because Florida kind of teeters on red and blue and red and blue. Oh, that's Florida. That's another conversation. But go ahead. That hurt me hard because that's one of my favorite places to be. Um, But I think for Georgia, I think we can continue to do this if we can keep a hold on places like Atlanta. I have so many friends who want to move outside of the city. And I'm like, keep your property in 303, whatever, whatever. Moving out too far takes away from that stronghold that we've got. So I got to tell you, the shameless plug is you have to stay in the metropolitan. I don't, area. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. I, I, I live outside. I live in the metro area. I don't live in the city. That's a whole nother conversation. I want to talk to you about that as well at a later date with what's going on in the city of Atlanta as far as gentrification is concerned. But. I don't know. The metro area is expanding, Aisha. I grew, you we both we both grew up here all our lives and we can remember a time where we look in we, we look at certain like I give you an example here in Georgia, Cobb County. Mm-hmm. Cobb County Very proud of them. has the demographics in Cobb County has completely changed. Uh 20, 30 years ago, that would be a place where it would be a lock stronghold Republican county. And now it has changed. Um, and it's and it's starting to move further and further and further out. I think you got about six to seven million people in the metro area, Cobb County being one of those metro uh, counties. But the metro area is somewhat expanding. So, you know, you have people, you know, as far out, I stay, I actually still stay in Fulton County. I stay, I'm a Fulton County resident, but I, I'm the furthest tip of Fulton County that could possibly be. So I'm almost surrounded by red <laughs> where I stay. But we're still able to maintain the county. So I, I, I think that a lot of people are moving out and it's still it's changed. You know, 10 years from now, you're going to look at other counties, you know, like Walton, Coweta. So, you know, I, Henry County is another example. 10, 20 years ago would have been a strong red hole. It turned blue. Okay. So I'll take it. I just yes. I, I, I want people to have the power and have their voice in a collective way that matters. If you spread out too much, you don't have that unified force. That's my only concern right now. We've got it. And I would love to keep it. Well, at an estimated, at an estimated 9 million people living in the Metro area in the next, you know, five to seven years, 
you can't really, I mean, here in Georgia, we have enough places to spread out. So it's not like a New York where you're going to have people on top of people. So with the influx of people coming into this city, I think it's going to just expand the metro area. If that makes okay, sense. I'll, I'll take it. Yes, I, I can understand that. And I'm fine with that. So long as they're coming with good politics or they can just visit the surrounding states. They can land there. Well, I feel like I, so I feel like that's so here, here's the thing that I'll say. Um, the majority of voting is going to be kind of decided in most cases uh, by you know education, experience, uh, specifically lived experience. And uh, the industries that Atlanta has that are hot right now um, that are pulling people in are bringing in people who are more educated. But um, a lot of that still boils down to messaging and it still really boils down to, um, you know, what's actually happening in the world. So the, the example that we'll give is right now, you know, Georgia is, is voting blue. Uh, let's bear in mind that especially in Atlanta, uh, the brunt of the people in Atlanta are motivated to go out and, and vote because of the coronavirus pandemic, because of the things that they've seen, not just their demographics and not just, you know, the, their quote unquote politics. I think, again, messaging is going to count here more than anything else. And right now there's a party who uh, is trying to actively end the one healthcare uh, bill that we have. Uh, and another party, part of that party is actively trying to save it. So the thing to, to bear in mind is, is that that's messaging. You know, the Democratic candidate that is most likely, uh, excuse me, the, the presidential candidate that is most likely to win is the one who actually has a health care plan and has, you know, a plan for a government option as opposed to one who says he has a plan, but has had four years and, you know, controlled uh, Senate and hasn't been able to, to accomplish anything and two years with a controlled house. So again, messaging and the actions that politicians take matter way more, I think, than people's own personal politics, uh, because there's still, as has been proven time and time again, various opportunities for fuck-ups to happen and for things to flip back the other color. So th that's I the thing I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And it's, and it's weird. It's a weird dynamic here in Georgia. Here's another thing. This is why all eyes on, are going to be on this state right now here in Georgia, and I'm going to talk about it. So the presidential election is going on. We had also other elections as well. Senate. We had a Senate runoff. We had two Senate. We two Senate uh, elections, and I still I'm not familiar with how exactly those Senate seats work, and I have to do my homework on it. But I'm learning as I go. I'm still learning. Uh, we have one. We have one runoff that we can confirm here. One runoff. Uh, Kelly Leffler is going to run off against uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock, which is. Uh, I can't explain how excited I am about that. And right now, if things continue to trend the way that they are trending, uh, David Perdue, who is the incumbent Republican, might be in a runoff with John Ossoff, who's who's a Democrat. So here we go. If we get to a point where Joe Biden actually is the candidate, the next tap to be the next president, we will have a runoff in Georgia that could possibly flip the Senate, two seats, a runoff, January 5th. This is like game. And just to show you how big it is in the state of Georgia, Aisha, you know this, for a while, like we always used to say like, man, like nobody ever really played, um, pays attention to us here in Georgia. We don't get any play. Like all the major players from the Democrat and Republican side came out to Georgia this election because they knew how important it was going to be.
Well, that was one of my critiques of Hillary Clinton amongst many. But uh, as you say, she did not play uh, in Atlanta at all. She really didn't play in Georgia. And I think that was, I think that was a huge mistake in 2016. But uh, yes, we have seen everybody this go around. Yeah, we, you know, if you if you rate the scale, I, I read somewhere, if you rate the scale of how important Georgia was, mm-hmm. if Obama was if Obama was coming, it was important. And we saw Obama in the metro area. And of course, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris came here a couple of times. Yes, I honestly think that, though, I think that's a symptom of the Electoral College more than anything else. And I think if, for instance, uh if we were to remove the electoral college, I think then you start seeing more politicians having to put in work in every state, as opposed to only picking specific states that they feel like they can or cannot win in. And I think it's it's uh, it affects the strategy to the point where you know there are people who feel like they are you know completely left behind and they never do get to see um, you know the people that they have to vote to represent them. And I think that's a legitimate tragedy. It is. I feel the same way. But I want to add, Jay, I wanted to get the question to you. Um, and I don't know how closely you follow the Senate race here in Georgia, but I just wanted to get your input on how do you feel about Georgia now being like really at the epicenter of politics here with those runoffs uh, looming here in January? Um, I think it's it's important just because uh, without two specifically those two Democratic senators winning their races, the Senate doesn't actually get to a point uh, of being uh, even passable. So what would happen is that would put the Senate right now, if everything holds up, that would put the Senate at a, a, a tie. Uh, mm-hmm. Both it'd be half and half with the deciding vote being uh, you know, the vice president, Kamala. So, I mean, in order to be able to enact anything in the next four years, uh, those senators are necessary and needed. Um, and, and some of that is because I, I'm, I'm upset with a lot of this in general, but a lot of the reason that we, we are at this point uh, is because so f- there, there was a real chance to, to flip the Senate to, to a much better majority. Uh, the reason we're at this point is uh, so many of the Democrats that were ran out against Republicans weren't options. And the thing that I think is, is yeah. great about what's happening in Georgia is there are legitimate, like you can tell the difference between the Republican and the Democrat. And, and yeah. In a lot of the races, the Democrats that were ran were so centrist and were so close to being a Republican that they were considered, you know, quote unquote, safe choices. But the truth of the matter is the safe choice will always be right. And the safe because the safe choice will always be the incumbent. If Mm -hmm. you're telling me I'm I'm appealing to you for the safe choice. Well, I have records for this person that uh, Mm -hmm. just has been in the Senate. That's my safe choice. Not the person that is just like him, but different. That doesn't exist. And the thing that hopefully gets taken away from this is that uh, the safe choice concept of running candidates uh, is stupid, basically. And honestly, um, the pain of this for Democrats, I hope, is being felt. Uh, I think the problem is that they, they want to blame uh, their own failures on Republicans and on messaging, when in truth, their fa- failures came. Yeah, blame, their yeah, failures they should be pointing the fingers. Inside the party, that's one of the things that I think we're gonna have to to clean up. There's a mess that needs to be clean clean up in the 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 DNC, uh, and that and like I said once again, I go back to what I said earlier. You know, when you're trying to win a war, there are some battles that need to be won, and you know this always happens. And I think eventually we're gonna get to a point where we can close the gap on some of the ideology that needs to change inside of the DNC. But with that being said, we have to 
win these battles, put people in place in order to start changing some of the things that we want to see. I would be remiss if I want to say this, Aisha, you're very close to this and you understand how this worked. We had a, a gubernatorial race. I hope I said that right. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago against Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams. Correct. Stacey Abrams lost by maybe about, I want to say it was less than 100,000 votes. Maybe. Depends on who you ask. Depends on who you ask. So let me say this. I, I, and, I, and, I was, and I'll be the first to say that I was, count, I was very critical of Stacey um, in that race. For yeah, you know what? I'd like reasons. to thank the black elite for not <laughs> electing Stacey Abrams. I'll say well, that. Look, well, let me say this. Let me say this much. I, I, I want to say this much. I, I was very critical for my own personal reasons. And with that being said, I have put all of those aside to say this now. She has made it her personal mission to change a lot of things here in the state of Georgia. And we're seeing some of her works coming to fruition in this presidential election because of what happened in that election. She, her committee and what she has been able to do to fight voter suppression and other things that changed the outcome of that election has now gave us the power to, to, to see what we're seeing now. Aisha, do you feel as though she had, we owe a, a great deal to her and what she's been able to do as far as her work in this state uh, for, for, for the DNC? Yes. Well, that's a great question. And actually I wasn't paying attention to it on a national scale in that kind of specific terms until my friend texted me and said, oh, we all need to be thanking Stacey Abrams. I saw Stacey for who she is and what she is from the day I found out who she was in campaigning. And I, it, don't get me started on the conversations I had to have with people. And it did not work because most black people were like you. They had a hard time getting on the Stacey Abrams train and look where we are now, but we won't talk about that. So I think she has done a phenomenal job, but I have always thought she's done a phenomenal. I thought she did well from the beginning. She's an outside the box thinker. We don't always like that in Atlanta. We want people to look the same, dress the same, stay the same, go to the same church. She doesn't do any of that, but that was a strength. And now she's brought that strength to the table and we're all seeing it. So, you know, we don't have time for you know, to dwell on spilled milk. We're moving forward. I cannot wait to see where Stacey Abrams goes that's what i'll say well that was that was that was chatter that was chatter that she was in the conversation of being maybe a, a vp candidate for joe biden but i think apparently around a lot of conversations she wanted to be involved in getting georgia turned around so that's where she her heart her heart was like hey you know what i pre, I, re, I appreciate it but i I really want to get Georgia turned around. So, you know, big ups to her and what she was able to do and accomplish, because I think we owe her a lot. If, you know, if this is the result of her hard work and doing what she needed to do to to, to fight here, to, to have people's voices heard, I really, you know, I just want to give her her props. Jay, how do you feel about Stacey Abrams? Um. I'm kind of on the same boat as, as Aisha. I, I liked her as a gubernatorial candidate, uh, and I think the things, the work that she's done so far uh, in organizing and you know 
fundraising to specifically fight voter suppression uh, is kind of the key in every state, but it was also the key in Georgia, especially when, you know, so much of the state is controlled by Republicans and voter suppression and all of the different ways that they accomplish it is kind of their MO. Uh, the thing to bear in mind is, is that this is an opportunity for the rest of, uh, you know, states like North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, some of your other states that are in the South that do have strong pockets of uh, Democratic voters to take note of the fact that, you know, the 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 thought process is that uh, we can't really get a quote unquote progressive uh, progressive uh, person voted in because, you know, votes are being suppressed. And so like the, the people who would vote for them aren't going to be able to get the find their way to it. Uh, but, you know, we can't undo voter suppression. It, the thought process is until we get back in office. What Stacey Abrams has shown is that that's a fallacy. We can fight back against voter suppression and we can organize to make sure that voter suppression is done away with. And then that way, uh, when we start selecting candidates, we don't have to select them like cowards because that's te technically what we've been doing is we have been selecting ca candidates like a coward. We want someone that racist white people will vote for. And I'm kind of done with it. I'm, I'm done with that. And what Stacey Abrams has shown is that it is possible without power in a state to undo the work of voter suppression that has been done. And I hope the rest of the country takes her playbook. It's weird that you say that, Jay, because there are a lot of people like me that, and, and I grew up here in the South, I, I, consider, myself, I consider myself a liberal. I, I really am. But there are, I still have some strong values that will lean the other way. I'm big on Second Amendment and a few other things, but as far as my whole ideology, it would completely lean left. So it's like we still need people to to walk that line, Jay. I don't know how you feel about that. But we still need hard. Well, I mean, like I said, so I don't mean, get me wrong. I I understand that that uh, people need to feel represented, and I'm not here to say that they shouldn't. But the reason I'm saying a hard disagree is uh, the majority of um, progressives aren't here to quote unquote take your guns. They're not here. Right. <laughs> uh, like their biggest, their biggest reforms. Would, well, let me finish. Their biggest reforms would be towards climate change. Their biggest reforms would be towards our healthcare system. Their biggest reforms would be towards our education. Those are all things that have nothing to do with your personal freedoms and everything to do with actually moving forward this country. So it doesn't make sense to me to say, well, these people aren't going to represent some people with yes. conser some conservative values. How are you and as a conservative against now. healthcare? We'll see, we'll see, How are you as a conservative thing, against education? The thing, the thing is, though, sometimes you get to a point where you have candidates that look almost as leftist elite, where you you kind of get blinded. Where you have people like me that, like I said, I lean very, very okay, left, but, but at the same Stacey time, Abrams. I want to see someone. I'm not, I'm not talking about Stacey in general. I'm just talking well, about. But the that was the same that, argument used towards Stacey. This woman had student loans when she was running. I don't want to hear anything from anybody who ever had an FHA loan. If you have a kid in public school, if you're driving on the roadways, I mean, these are all things that we need. So it's so strange that people are so worried about those particulars. No one is running in your house to take away your guns. I have yet to see that happen anywhere in the United States. That's the most bizarre thing. And and, and, and I get that. And I and 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 I talk to a lot of people that are very very conservative and that's one of their biggest fears and I tell people all the time one of the things that I have in common with a lot of conservative people that I talk to is that look I'm, I'm very big on, on second amendment and they're just like me they're like hey I'm big on this but I'm not going to concede that because you know, I'm not going to flip and that's that's the, the big argument so it's just like one of those things where it's like you know one for the other 
and I get it. And I, like I'm gonna, I said, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'll say this. I feel like, uh, you know, I understand that, first of all, the Second Amendment is, uh, breaking an amendment in this country is, is a, a damn near impossible. So the Second Amendment's not going anywhere. Uh, and then, you know, but there, there's a lot. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear, Jay. There's the Republican. The Republican Party. The Republican Party pushes that fear okay, down so, the throat. So here's here's what I'm here's what I'm going to say about about that. First of all, every time I, we start walking into these subjects and these matters, the thing I keep hearing is about how the Republican Party has messaging about how the Republican Party is like pushing fear down people's throats. Where the fuck is the messaging for the Democrats? Where the fuck is any of this messaging for them? Like it's where we always talk about the and, and the thing that drives me up the wall about this is that the Democrats use the same goddamn terms and messaging that the fucking Republicans do. So instead of us talking about how Republicans have this ability to somehow make us all fucking afraid, why don't we start talking about the fact that when we look at the things that you're voting for, when you vote for Republicans, you're voting for 233,000 plus more deaths. You're voting for lack of education. We are behind every country in this world. You're voting for schools where your children have to go through metal detectors and still fucking get shot. And you're voting for more police brutality. You're voting for more oppression. So I don't want to hear bullshit about your concern about the amendment because of what the fucking Republicans told you. Look at what they're fucking doing. I, I totally, I'm, I'm with you, Jay. I'm with, don't, I'm not, I'm not the enemy here, brother. I'm not the enemy, man. I'm with you. I'm just trying to get to a point where we can actually, you know, come to the table where we can actually bring some people over to see. I'll be real with you. I don't want to sit are. at a table with, I don't want to sit at a table. I, with, I don't want to sit at a table with a person who cares more about keeping their guns than they do other people. I well, can't sit at the table with that person, but, and I and because I, I can't reason with that person. I am talking about human fucking rights, and you're talking to me about and keeping I, a goddamn gun. And and and, and I get and I, and I and, but the, but the thing here's the thing here's the thing Jay, here's the thing there there are people that are not so far over the fence. That's what I'm trying to say. And those and, same people have been you, voting you, red for the last forty years. But, but the what I'm last saying, forty years that we've all been those same people have been voting red for this long, and we've all been under oppression for all this time because they've been voting for their goddamn guns. And, Why the and, fuck we, do I need to talk to them now? Explain I, to I, me what I understand. If, if in the last twenty to forty years they have not changed their minds, explain to me why they're going to suddenly change their minds now and because give a like fuck about black people and brown I, I, people I go, and I go, anyone I go, else except for themselves. I go back to saying what I said earlier, and I say this, and I stick by this, and I know this has been a long process, and I don't know if I live to see it. But once again, I go back to the statement that I made: you have to win battles, and you have to gain ground in order to win the war. This isn't some, this this is start this started long ago, especially with people like us. We're all black in this country. It, it has been a long process, and it will continue to be that way. But you you have to continue to win battles in order to win the war. I know, and that's but you all also I'm saying. have to be willing to have the conversation because I have a family member, exactly, who is a black exactly. man who is a Trump supporter, and I said to that black man. Are you not someone who got their home from an FHA loan? Are you not someone who has children in public school? Are you not someone who has a child at a state school that the Georgia taxpayers are paying for that child to go through school? How can you vote against your disinterest? And it's blatant ignorance. Aisha, I totally agree with you. We and Jay, we 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 still well, right, have to continue to converse with that. Well, I but well, you but you but you 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 go so you go what, you go as far as you're you can. Asking me to do. You, you go as far. Hold on, wait, no, hold on, wait. Let me finish, Jay. Let me let okay. me finish one second. You go as far as you can, 
and then you have to let it go. But you have to be able to open the conversation. Now, that I'm not saying that you're going to be Here's able to Here's the thing to, that to I say everybody. That. We have been trying to open the goddamn conversation for over 100 fucking years. Black people have been trying to open this goddamn conversation when we were enslaved. We started opening this goddamn conversation when we weren't enslaved. And these motherfuckers haven't been listening this entire time. I'm at a point where if we're being honest, you have to realize that there are motherfuckers who are not here to have that conversation. White America has not ever taken responsibility for their role in enslavement, for their role in voter suppression and during and literally in segregation. They have never taken responsibility ever, not as, not as a goddamn whole, not as individuals. And so what I'm here to say is all we have done is shouldered the responsibility for them. We have been doing this for a hundred goddamn years. And I will be a hundred percent honest with you when I say I'm fucking done with it. If at this point in 2020, you don't understand that this shit is fucking racist, that this shit is fucking sexist, that this shit is fucking bigoted. I don't have anything to fucking say to you because you can't sit at my goddamn table. That's like where I'm I said, at. You would like let me sit at your table. And, you and, those people, and, and those people and those people don't have to sit at your table. But what I'm saying is, Jay, there are still people that can be reached. There are still people that want to understand. There are still people that want to, to extend the olive branch. That's all I'm saying. And look, you know, this is not going to be an overnight thing. This is not going to be something that we're going to solve overnight. And I get it. There, there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of built up frustration about what's going on in this country. And I totally get it. But look, we're, we're really at the at the mark here. And this is a conversation that we're going to have to do again. Hopefully I can get Aisha back. And of course, when I find when I can find Jay, when I can find Jay and I know where I know I can find him, we'll get him back on. Um, so hopefully things We'll have something else to talk about here in the weeks to come about what's going on with the, with the political events in this country. Jay, as always, you know, I appreciate you, fam. Let everybody know what you got going on, bro. Um, Hit hit my uh, comedy page. Sorry, I'm so heated up right now. I know I'm on the show next week. I don't know what where it is. Um, hit my comedy page. You go to jjonescomedy.com. Are you doing live shows already? Uh, this is a Zoom show. So I'm on a Zoom oh, show next okay. week. Um, okay. I've done a, a, I did a parking lot show a weekend ago, which was like socially distanced. Yeah, it was weird. It's hard to tell jokes in a mask. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Hit, hit my uh, hit my comedy page, jjonescomedy.com. Uh, obviously, if, if you want to hear me uh, pretty much blow up about politics in general, hit Frown Town. Uh, that that's there's there's a bunch of episodes of me just calling and send him shit. all and send him all the smoke on Twitter. Yeah, you really think after they just heard <laughs> that whole last part of this episode, <laughs> they really gonna try to send that smoke? I mean, if you feeling brave, fucking come drink it because clearly I got the heat for you. I like you know, it. I, you know, Jay and 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 Jay, let's be realistic, man. So you try to make you know, and I try to stay. This is the Leo G show, so I try to stay where we can talk about things from both sides, and I try to bring different angles. But you know what? Hey, look, I have my solid views on things if you want to bring the smoke to me you can bring it at at southern set I, i'll let you really know how i feel about a lot of stuff so we can really get it off and, and we can oh, do is it. that different than the leo g, g show where we get like an unedited cut uh, of leo? You can, you, so 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 the show is the show but for me personally if you want to come to me and you want to talk about my personal views and ideology then we can do it the show is the show if you want to come and be a guest on the show if you want to talk and and about these things you could come to at the leo g show the number one that's on twitter we can we can do that as well we can set that up that you can come on the show and we can talk about all this stuff aisha i'm gonna let you drop everything uh that you got going on well i feel like i'm one of those people i live my life on instagram i think conservatives are very afraid of the kind of profile i have because it's very open you can see at aisha stiff 
That's all you have to do. Look me up and you'll see all my links to everything I'm doing. That's what's up. I mean, this has been another edition of the Leo G show, man. I'm glad we're having these conversations. Uh, I'm glad we're we're seeing things. I think we're all in agreement that once again, we're still fighting battles to win the war. I I can say that much. I think we're all on the page. We we just got to get together to where we can continue to fight these battles. It's not going to be pretty. It's not. And battles are never pretty, but you have to continue to fight battles and win battles in order to win the war. So we'll come back and we'll visit this again. Aisha, I thank you for coming on. Jay, as always, man, I I, I thank you. So we'll come back for another episode. We really have to do a part two of this. We're going to do a part two and we're possibly going to do a part three, four, five, and six. And thank you for helping me because it's always uncomfortable for me when we do politics. Like we get politically uncomfortable in these situations for me. We're going to continue to do this and I'm going to continue to open up and we'll run it. This is the Leo G Show. I hope you guys enjoy it.